0: Hey, good morning, faith family. It's good to see you. I want to say hello to those in our live venue as well. If you have your Bible, would you please turn to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. This morning we are finishing up our series on the book of Acts. Happy or sad? Don't don't say happy, all right? Sad, we'd love to do more in the book of Acts. We've spent six months in the book of Acts. That's crazy. We started this in September of last year. We took a little bit of a break for Christmas, but uh, we've been doing that on purpose because we're at a very important uh, season in the life of our church. We've got some big things that we're looking at to expand our mission and our gospel impact. And so our desire was to go through the book of Acts and to challenge uh, ourselves individually as well as a faith family to think bigger and to think wider. You got one shot at this you've been given one life. And we don't want to waste that on things that ultimately have no eternal value. We want to give our lives to what God has called us to, and that is to bring Him glory through His mission. That's what the book of Acts is all about. And it's been so awesome to read emails and talk with people in the hallway who've just started to see their life in a totally different way. I've had people share with me that they've started witnessing for some of the first time in their life, people who've shared that they went to the hospital and shared with family members, and it's just been amazing how God has reshaped our thinking into how we approach our life and to what we're about as a faith family. Amen? So we're, we're going to wrap that series up this morning with Acts chapter 28. If you're able to stand, would you please do so? As we honor the reading of God's Word, Luke is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he writes in verse 17 that after three days he called together the local leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans." When they examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I've asked to see you and speak with you, since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain." And they said to him, "'We've received no letters from Judea about you. None of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. We desire to hear from you, what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it's spoken against.'" And so when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him as his lodging in greater numbers, From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said. Others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And so he lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy it is to be together today. What a privilege it is to worship with one another. Thank you for this wonderful book that we've had the the privilege over the last several months just to work through chapter by chapter and be challenged to live a life on mission. I pray that today you would drive that home once more in our hearts and in our minds that we would truly see our lives as completely surrendered to what you've called us to do. We ask it in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. It was January the 30th. 1965. Hundreds and hundreds of people gathered in London for what would be one of the most elaborate ceremonies of any statesman in history. They gathered there at St Paul's Cathedral. The occasion of that day was the funeral of Winston Churchill, and it was an elaborate ceremony. the The Queen was there in attendance. There was a 19 gun salute. Sixteen fighter planes flew overhead. When the funeral was over, they took Churchill's casket and they escorted it down the streets of London to Waterloo Station. It was a spectacular moment, a moment to be remembered but a moment that was remembered for something other than all of that. You see, what those who were gathered that day for that ceremony didn't know is that Churchill had planned his own funeral. In fact, he had stationed a bugler to be high up in the dome. And just as the ceremony was about to end... Right after that final prayer would be offered, he had instructed that bugler to play this. It's the universal signal that the day is over. The sun has set. And the silence and the sadness in that moment was so thick that you could feel it. But the silence was soon cut through by another sound. You see, what the people did not know is that Churchill had also instructed a second bugler to be positioned at the other side of the dome, and just moments after the playing of taps, that second bugler was to play this. It's the universal signal that a new day has dawned. It was as though that Churchill from the grave was saying to everyone there, "Arise! Get up! Move forward!" It was a rather strange ending to a funeral. But the reason Churchill wanted it that way is because he wanted the final chapter of his life to not be seen as an end, but to be seen as a beginning. And my dear friends, that's precisely how we ought to think of Acts chapter 28, I say that because I don't know if you know this, but there are a lot of scholars who have been perplexed as to how this book ends. There's no climactic ending. There's no grand finale. You're left with a lot more questions than you have answers. Does Paul survive? What's the verdict? What does Caesar say? Does he ever make it to Spain? It's what's known in the, the world of cinema as a cliffhanger. You, you know what a cliffhanger is, right? Like when, when, when you're watching a movie, you're watching a TV series or a show, and it ends, and you're left thinking, oh, no, it didn't. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, 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 you can't end like that. There's so many things that are left unresolved. Like how many of you remember who shot Jr. How many of you are willing to admit that you remember who shot JR? Or what about will Ross and Rachel get married? Or, or the movie Inception, will the totem continue to spin or will it fall? And we n- never know. Or what about every single episode of Lost? <laughs> or my favorite one growing up as a kid was every Dukes of Hazard episode ended like this. And you're just like, what? What happens? Does Cooter catch you? I mean, what what happens? And that's how Acts ends. And so scholars and great theological minds are like, there must be more. And yet I would submit to you, if you know the book of Acts, it ends precisely as it should. Why do I say that? Because the book of Acts ends with the church continuing to bear witness to Jesus Christ. Before I share that, show that to you in the text, can I remind you as a way of review what we've been through to get us to Acts 28? 20, would you come with me in this journey As for months now, we've worked through chapter after chapter, and what the church has faced, what believers in Jesus Christ, what followers of Christ have faced, have been external threats. Governments. Politicians. Jewish leaders trying to shut them down. They faced internal threats. uh, False professions. Hypocrisy. Christians have faced physical attacks, mobs, stonings, beatings. They face spiritual attacks, uh, 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 demonic spirits, and, and sorcerers, and, and what Paul called fierce wolves. They face natural disasters like storms and and shipwrecks, and, and even as early as last week in Acts 27, poisonous snakes. And then we get to Rome. Paul gets put on house arrest, and he's brought before the Jewish leaders. And how does the book end? Verse 23. When they had appointed a day for Him, they came to Him at His lodging in greater numbers. And from morning till evening, He expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Look at verse 30. He lived there two whole years at His own expense and welcomed all who came to Him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, and without hindrance. How does the book of Acts end? By Christians, by the church, bearing witness to Jesus Christ. At this point, it's like, can Paul talk about anything but Jesus? I mean, sports or vacations or some family photos or something? No, all Paul can talk about, it seems, is Jesus. I mean, you ever been around somebody that just won't shut up about it? don't point. I'm going to talk about somebody who's just got an issue and they're like a broken record. You know, politicians that give the same old talking points over and over and over again. And you're like, I've heard it enough. Or parents, teenagers, are you with me? They give you the same lecture over and over and you just roll your eyes like, come on, dad. Or or how many of you have been around that guy that just gave like the same pickup line over and over and over? He'd be like, baby, I'm like Dairy Queen. I treat you right. You know, or something, (laughs) something real cheesy like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, would you just stop? What an awesome testimony to be known that we're the kind of people that won't stop talking about Jesus. What? A way to be known. Paul is bearing witness here in Acts 28 as to who Jesus is. In fact, let's look a little more detailed into where did he speak. He spoke in chains. He spoke before leaders. He spoke under house arrest. How did he speak? Look at verse 19. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. Now, if you've been tracking with the story, it's the Jewish leaders that have brought Paul the most problems. And yet Paul is able to say, I'm not bitter. I don't hold a grudge even to my own people. Look at verse 23. It says that from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God, trying to convince them about Jesus from what? The law of Moses and from the prophets. Now look down at verse 31. Proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. So right here, where did he speak? Everywhere. How did he speak? Lovingly. He's not a jerk for Jesus. Biblically, the law and the prophets, he he knows the word of God and boldly. Notice also, when did he speak? Verse 17 says uh, that it was after three days. Verse 23 says it was from morning till evening. And you thought I was long-winded, right? Right? And then in verse 30, it says he lived there two whole years and did this. In other words, he did it promptly, tirelessly, and faithfully. Who did he witness to? Jews and Gentiles. And what did he witness about? Verse 23, morning till evening, expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about what? Jesus. Jesus. Verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, here's the summary. Where did he speak? Everywhere. How did he speak? Lovingly, biblically, boldly. When? Promptly, tirelessly, faithfully. To who? Anybody that would listen. And what about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? Now here's the question. You with me? Live in you, you with me? Why would you end the book of Acts that way? Why would the Holy Spirit through Luke see fit to end it here? And here's the answer. How did the book of Acts start? Acts 1.8. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. How does Acts end? They are being his witnesses. It's the perfect ending. Because the beginning is about being a witness, the end is about being a witness, and everything in between. Put your seatbelt on. Acts 2 Peter preaches at Pentecost. Acts 4, Peter and John proclaim Christ before the council. Acts 7, Stephen bears witness to Christ and it cost him his life. Acts 8, Philip shares with the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts 10, Peter shares Christ with Cornelius. Acts 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas are sent out on their first missionary journey, taking the gospel all over. Acts 27, Paul stands up on this ship in the midst of a storm and adversity and says, I belong to God, all the way to Acts 28. He's before the Jewish leaders testifying to Jesus Christ. Do you see, faith family, from beginning to end, and everything in the middle is about being a witness. can I be real with you for a moment? Here's the problem I have. The problem I have is when Christians say, I believe in Jesus, I just keep him to myself. You ever heard somebody say that? Pastor, listen, I believe the Bible. I believe Jesus. I'm convinced of all this. Yeah, but you know what? I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be insensitive. People have other different beliefs. And, and so I believe it. It's just kind of more of a private faith to me. The problem is there is no such thing as a private Christianity. A privatized faith in a resurrected king is biblically inconceivable. Because those in the book of Acts who believed the Gospel with conviction proclaimed the Gospel with confidence. Do you see, Faith Family, when we walk away from the book of Acts here, what we see is these weren't a people playing church. These weren't a people going through religious activities. These were a people who had encountered personally a resurrected Messiah and they could not help but speak of Him. The question is, live in you, everybody right here, do you believe this or not? Is this a religion to you? Or is this the essence of your very life? How many of you believe based on Romans 10, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved? How many of you believe that? I believe that. How many of you believe what Romans 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you will be saved? We believe that, don't we? But do we believe the verses that come right after that? That say this, how will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear if we don't tell them Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Acts ends exactly as it should with the church doing what it's always been called to do, bear witness to Jesus Christ. Now, I've got the heart of a teacher. I love looking at different angles. I love those light bulb moments that we have together when we see things in the text. But I, I need to take just a couple of minutes and I need to get into the weeds of application. Can I do that for just a moment and give us some walkaway things about being a witness from the book of Acts? In fact, I would even ask if you've got a pen or a pencil or, or can jot it there on your tablet, would you please take some notes here as I want to give you just a few practical. Practical things when it comes to being a witness for Jesus that I think we need to apply to our lives. I'm going to give it to you quickly. Five things individually and four things congregationally. There's not another service after this one, so we're going all afternoon, all right? Five things individually, four things as a congregation. Here are the individual things that I want us to see in our lives as we seek to be a witness for Jesus. The first is this, live differently. Live differently. And specifically by that, what I mean is I want us to live as people who really have hope. Because listen, dear friend, if you have Jesus, you have hope. If you have Jesus, you have hope. And notice what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Many of you know this verse. Look at it. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason For the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. What's that verse implying? That when we live as people who have hope, that a world that is without hope, they're going to see that and they're going to ask questions, where did you get that? What is so different about you? How is it that you're able to respond to things so much differently than everybody else? And what does that provide an opportunity for? Witness. We live differently in that we live as people who have hope in Jesus. And the, the world wants to know, where did you get that? And we say, I'm glad you asked. Number two is we think missionally. This has probably been, I've talked with some people even this morning, like probably one of the number one paradigm shifts that people have had in the book of Acts. And it's this, right? Everybody look right here for just a moment. You've got to stop thinking about your life like this. There's my life, and then there's my Christian life. There's my spiritual life, and then there's all the other things I do. That's a false dichotomy in the Bible. In other words, all of life is mission. So you have to start thinking about work and family and money and church, and every part of your life as being missional. Uh, Martin Luther was asked one time, there was a cobbler, you know, somebody who makes shoes, came to Martin Luther and said, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've put my faith in Jesus and I want to be a witness for him. What would you recommend that I do? And the answer is almost shocking, but yet profound. And if you know Martin Luther, it's precisely the way he would answer a question. He said this, Make the best shoe you can and sell it at a fair price. What? Like, don't, what about seminary? What about like spending all day doing Bible study? Well, yeah, those things are fine, but you got to understand that everything you do in life is about being a witness. Your occupation, your family, all of life is mission. Number three is pray evangelistically. Pray evangelistically. Very simple this morning. If you're not already, would you start praying for at least one person every day who does not know Jesus Christ? Just, if you're not already, pray for one person every day that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And as you're out and about in the culture and in the world and at restaurants and supermarkets, uh, be willing to ask people if you could pray for them. It's a great opportunity to to engage with people. Because when I've asked somebody, can I pray for you, nobody's ever said, what a jerk. (laughs) Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's been like, you arrogant Christian, like how dare you ask a prayer request. Nobody's ever said that. What they have said is, yeah, would you because I just found out my mom has cancer. Yeah, would you because my husband found out last month that he's been laid off and we don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Just genuinely and evangelistically pray for people. Number four. Some of you won't like this one, but I don't care. Uh, (laughs) Give sacrificially give sacrificially your life ought to be a blank check before god it it, it baffles my mind that non-christians to like charities and things like that give about two percent and christians give about 2.4 percent which if you just do the math means jesus makes about a point four difference in your life and some of you don't like it when I bring up these type of topics, but I, I mean, I, I kind of said sarcastically because that's my spiritual gift that I don't care. <laughs> but the reason why in a real sense I don't care is because you cannot read the book of Acts and walk away with any other conclusion than men and women who were followers of Jesus that laid everything down for the sake of the mission. Number five is simply share faithfully. Share faithfully. That is, God is giving you opportunities all day long just to be a witness. It doesn't mean, again, like Paul, he wasn't an arrogant jerk for Jesus. Just shine light, just be salt, just live with hope, just give people a reason for the hope that you have. Those are five things that I would love for us individually to do as we walk away from the book of Acts and continue to be witnesses. Let me give you very quickly four that we will do together. And there are more, but I'm just gonna give you four quickly. And the first is missional communities. Bottom line, our small group strategy is missional communities. That is, I'm convinced in the book of Acts that fellowship is not being buddies. Fellowship is not holding accountable. It can include that. Fellowship is not developing deep, meaningful relationships, though that's true. Fellowship is partnership for the mission. And all of those other things, being buddies and accountable and developing deep, meaningful relationships, come out of being on mission together. And that is why missional communities is our small group strategy. And if you're here and you're like, I ain't ever going to join a missional community, well then could I at least say to you, whatever group you're in, would you stop thinking just about who's in that group and also think about those outside that group that you could serve? While I'm offending you, I'll just go one step further. (laughs) The problem of being a church over 50 years is we tend to just think about who's in here and not who's out there. And I will push against that paradigm with the gospel every single week. Amen. Missional community. The second thing is missional partnerships. Some of you, if you're new to the church, may not know this, but we have what we call the Go Fund. Uh, Berean gives about a half a million dollars a year, and all of that goes to support missionaries and mission agencies around the world. The reason why I bring that up is because some of you are new and didn't even know about that and would love to know, how can I give to support the global effort of the gospel? And our GoFund is the way we do that here at Berean, and it supports literally people around the world doing fantastic gospel ministry here's number three now Berean we're weak on this but as the great theologian Bob Dylan once said times they are a changing if I have anything to do with it times they are changing and that is mission trips you're going to be hearing more and more and more about opportunities for you to give up a week or two weeks to go and serve on mission whether that's local or global as we're going to call you out to be on mission through that. Some of you, maybe physical reasons or whatever, you can't go, but you could give to support those who do want to go and serve through short-term missions. I hope we send so many teams out of here, your head spins. And then lastly is our multi-site strategy. This is core to what we're doing in REACH, and that is simply this. We want to launch gospel-centered campuses throughout the South Metro For the sake of gospel impact. That is what's driving us to do multi-site is mission. So those are five things individually. And at least four things congregationally that say this right here. We're going to take this seriously. Amen? You hearing me? Do I need to come off this stage at you? We're going to take the mission seriously. Well that's just point one. I got two more points. I told you. going to be a while. No, I'm just kidding, as far as you know. (laughs) How does Acts end the way it should? The church keeps witnessing. But that's not all. Acts ends the way it should because what we see here is the kingdom keeps advancing. The kingdom keeps advancing. In fact, if I could take you just quickly through the journey again, we are like a Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere, man. How many music references have I made this morning? (laughs) The kingdom has spread throughout the book of Acts through what? Different ethnic groups, Jew and Gentile. Different cities, Samaria, Athens, Corinth. Different economic classes, remember Lydia, rich. The Philippian jailer, middle class. The slave girl, poor. Through different settings, synagogues, riverbanks, living rooms. And now the kingdom of God comes into Rome and notice what happens in Rome verse 25 verse 24 sorry 24 and some were convinced by what he said but others disbelieved and disagreeing among themselves they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. And then he quotes Isaiah 6 simply where God called Isaiah to go to a people who wouldn't listen. And then verse 28, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Now what's interesting here in Acts 28 is that there are people in Rome who believe. Now why is that interesting? Now come here for just a moment. Think with me. This is awesome. Where did this whole mission thing start? It started when God sent His Son into the world, born in a manger. And what happened that first Christmas? Someone wanted babies dead so that they could kill this so-called king. And who was that? Rome, Herod, and was Rome successful in killing this king? Yes, it just took them 33 years. Gotcha, right? (laughs) When Jesus was killed, how? By Roman crucifixion. And what's happening in Acts chapter 28? I love it. Guess who's showing up on the doorstep of Rome? The kingdom of God. It just simply means you can't kill the mission of a man who walked out of the grave. You thought you could kill him as a baby, you didn't do it. You did kill him as an older man on a cross, but guess what? He walked out of the grave, his kingdom's alive and well, and it's just showed up in your life. And some of them believed. Isn't that awesome? And why would you end the book of Acts that way? Because how did the book of Acts start? You will be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that's what we see from beginning to end. It's not just about being witnesses. It's about the kingdom advancing. And it's the beginning and end and everywhere in the middle. Put your seatbelt on. Acts 2, those who received the word were baptized and added 3,000 souls. Acts 4, many heard and believed, and the number of men were 5,000. Acts 5, more and more believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women. Acts 6, the word of God continued to increase. The numbers of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts 9, the church in Judea, Galilee, Samaria was being being built up. Acts 11, and a great number who believe turned to the Lord. And we'll skip from Acts 11 all the way to Acts 28 in Rome. And some were convinced by what He said. It's as simple as this, faith family. Are you listening? When the gospel is proclaimed, the kingdom is advanced. When the gospel is proclaimed, the kingdom is advanced. And the reason Paul quotes Isaiah is here in Acts 28, is what was true in Isaiah's day, in fact, Jesus quotes it also when He's telling His disciples how the kingdom's going to advance, is this, is as we go out proclaiming, as we go out sowing seed, as we go out being witnesses, some will believe and some won't. Some will receive and some will reject. Some will fall on their knees and surrender. And some will harden their hearts and say no. But the kingdom of God is nevertheless moving on. It is advancing. I'm just curious this morning which group to which you belong. Do you believe? Do you really believe Have you ever come to that point in your life where you have admitted your sin, seen Jesus Christ by faith as the only solution as He died on the cross for your sins, and that because He rose from the grave, He can offer you brand new life? Oh, that you would not say no to that. And the kingdom of God would show up on your doorstep and you would walk in. It's happening all around us. In America and around the globe. Our eyes can't always see it. But we can rest assured of this. There ain't anything you or I, powers or principalities, Herod or Caesar or the gates of hell are going to be able to do to stop the kingdom of God from marching on. And in that sense, Acts 28 is the perfect ending. The church keeps witnessing The kingdom keeps advancing. And then here's the final point. The story keeps unfolding. Verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The end. And this is where those great scholars say... But who killed J.R.? (laughs) This is it. We don't ever hear a verdict. We don't even know does Paul die or not. In fact, again, some of you think I'm being sarcastic. That's my love language. That's my spiritual gift. Um, But I'm not trying to be sarcastic. There literally are scholars who think that there must be missing chapters In the book of Acts, because of the way it ends. And they're right. Well, kind of. It's not that there's missing chapters, it's just there's one that hasn't been fully written. Don't you understand, dear friends? There is an Acts 29, and you're it. You're it. We're it. Because the same Father that sent his Son on mission into the world to bring you salvation is our Father. And that same Jesus that sent out his disciples into the world, he's our Jesus. And that same Holy Spirit that gave them power in Acts chapter 2 to be witnesses, we have that Holy Spirit. And that gospel, that good news that the apostles went everywhere proclaiming, and it turned cities upside down, and it transformed lives, we believe that gospel. And those churches that were established in city after city, that, that gathered for worship and grew in the word and gave to the work and went out on mission, that's Our church. You see, dear friends, the book of Acts is not just about them. It's about us. It's not just about the first century. It's about the 21st century faith family, it's not just about cities like Athens and Samaria and Corinth. It's about places like Burnsville and Lakeville and the South Metro and beyond. It's names not just like Paul and Barnabas and Barabbas. It is people like Wes and Tim and Jake and Kay and you. Don't you understand that the mission of Almighty God to bring salvation to the world is still going on? And if we lose sight of that mission because we end the book of Acts, it just proves we didn't understand the book of Acts. We are Acts 29. Our names have been woven into this story in the very fabric of your daily life. That chapter has yet to be concluded because your life is in the middle of it, right? Now, after all, there was a gathering that took place one day, and it was not in St. Paul's Cathedral. It was beside a mountain just outside of Galilee. And there were not hundreds of people gathered that day. There were just a few men, scared and nervous. Do you know why? Because just a few days earlier, they thought this whole mission was over. Because they'd seen their leader's funeral firsthand. It looked as though it was all over. And the silence and the sadness was so thick you could feel it. (laughs) But Jesus' death proved not to be an end, but a beginning. A beginning that was realized on that mountain, as Jesus gathered those men together and gave them these final words. Fate family at Berean, the story isn't over. The mission is not complete. So arise. Get up. Move forward. That together, together, we will keep witnessing to Jesus Christ and God will keep advancing His kingdom. And all God's people said, amen pray with me. God, thank you so much for this wonderful, inspired, divinely inspired book. You put it together by your spirit to remind us even right now on this day what our life is to be about. That every single day in everything we do we are called to be witnesses and and in some amazing act of grace you use that to advance your kingdom. Oh, what a sad thing to spend our life on things that are superficial with no eternal relevance. Get our life, Holy Spirit, in focus today. Get our church, Holy Spirit, in focus today and beyond to live on mission for the glory of God. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.